Welcome to the Movie Planet. With Joe. They have machines, they work so well the first couple of weeks. And... JC. Patriotic little fella, ain't he? Waving a flag and everything. And Joel. This could really be the big one. I'm your host, Joe, and with me are the Billy Peltzer and Gizmo to my stripe, JC and Joel. Gentlemen, it's it's after the game, after last night's game. We just had a half-hour conversation about <laughs> <laughs> fan bases. Uh, how are we feeling this morning, JC? In one word, how do you feel? Tired. Joel, one word. Feeling good. Neutral. <laughs> <laughs> well, we were all ready to do... Honey, I shrunk the kids today, but something happened. My guess is that we had a gremlin in the system. So, thank you, Netflix. In honor of this unforeseen change, we are going to be talking about gremlins this week. Plus, it was the only movie we could find on short notice that we agreed on, which I think is a fair assessment. That's fair. (laughs) Uh, JC had not seen gremlins yet. Never seen it. Joel remembered it from his youth. And what I'll find out, which actually I found out this morning as I was trying to find a gif or a gif for today's episode, (laughs) was I'm more familiar with Gremlins 2 oh. than I am with Gremlins. So I was looking through all these pictures like, that's the one I remember. Yes. Okay, this week we're talking about 1984's Gremlins, directed by Joe Dante, written by Chris Columbus, and produced by the great Steven Spielberg dun, dun, dun. back when he was great all the time. All the time. All the time. Uh, before we get started on this, though, I, we're going to try something different here. I looked up the Rotten Tomato scores and the audience scores on Rotten Tomatoes for this. Now, the Rotten Tomatoes score is an 85% for this, which means 85% of critics give it a 6 out of 10 or higher. Yep. The average score of all those critics, though, is a 7.3 out of 10. So that's like a C. Yeah. All right? That's not bad, yeah. Yeah. Now, the audience that goes to see this, they give it a 77%, but their average score is a 3.4 out of 5, which is close to a 70-something percent. Yeah. Yeah. So, so far, everything agrees. This is a C so far. Now, because this is aimed at kids, it should be noted that the reputable site commonsensemedia.org, which does a great job of breaking down movies for parents, gave this movie five stars for kids 12 and up. While another site called Parent Preview gave this movie a C rating. So opinions are definitely mixed out there. Yes. (laughs) Um, This is starring (laughs) Zach Galligan, a guy who never did much afterwards. I was going to say, he he looked like the typical 80s actor, but you would have thought... He would have had a, a much longer career, but... He was, was a, he was an unknown before this movie. Yeah, I was surprised that I didn't recognize him and that I haven't really seen him in anything afterwards because he wasn't bad. Yeah. In fact, the most recognizable face is Phoebe Cates. Yeah. <laughs> Skate, which, yeah. Fast Times. I was, and I even <laughs> looked up, I saw it was after Fast Times, and I'm like, oh, that's why we didn't see anything fun. Well, they had a big problem with <laughs> casting her after Fast Times because she had done a couple of kind of risque movies, if you will, before this, and she had to play this wholehearted, you know, wholesome girl. And uh, so Phoebe Kate, but she did good in it, especially with the Santa story later. <laughs> yeah, that was that took a dark turn. Yeah, we'll talk uh, about that. Hoyt Axton as Rand Peltzer, the worst inventor ever. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Francis Lee McCain as Lynn Peltzer. And I was trying to figure out, I played the Joel game with this as to where do I recognize her from? She was in Back to the Future as the mom, or her his, his mom's mom. Oh. I didn't know that. Yeah, because I was like, God, who, where is she from? And I looked, and when he goes back to, back in time and he gets hit by the car, the mother of that family is her. 
Francis Lee McCain. No way. <laughs> you got K.E. Luke as the grandfather, John Louis as the grandfather's grandson, neither of which is given a name until Gremlins 2, Dick Miller as Murray Futterman, America First, <laughs> and the voices of the great Frank Welker as Stripe and Howie Mandel as Gizmo. Wait. Yeah. Cool. I did not know that was Howie Mandel. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, I didn't know it was his voice. I knew it from looking it up later. Uh, Hoyt Axton was the one I couldn't remember, and I've been looking over his list of movies, and I still can't remember what I've seen him from. Mm -hmm. But as soon as he came on the screen, that was like you had with the mom. I'm like, I know you from something. Yeah. But as I look over his, his list of what he did, I'm like, none of these, none of these jump out as something that I know I would have seen. So I can't remember what I've seen him in. Do you ever, uh, you want know, a Breaking Bad or Better Call Saul guy? Oh, yeah. The uh, Jonathan Banks. The guy yes. That He's uh, one of the deputies in it. <laughs> He's one of the cops in it. I don't know. And you know, I thought the other guy was actually Brian Cox when I first saw him. Yes, yeah, so did I. Because <laughs> he, he reminds me so much of the officer from Super Troopers. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so a little trivia about this film. Don't get on the set, get ready to shoot, and then ask for rewrites. Studios do this crap all the time, and they wonder why they end up with a shit movie. Smoke and mirrors, guys. Welcome to the movie factory. Movie? You know, I hate the word movie. I don't make movies. I make films. This movie was made for $11 million and raked in $148.1 million over the summer of 1984. Then a year later, it was released in August because the production company was t pissed off at the fact that they didn't release a Christmas movie during the Christmas months. So a year later, they released it in August as kind of like, well, we're kind of in between summer and Christmas. And it brought the total up to $153 million. Were you going to say something? I remember where it's from. Where? Seven Brides for Seven Brothers. That's where I've seen Hoyt Axton before. I've never seen this movie. Oh, it's a musical. Okay. And it's a it's a very campy, very not PC today <laughs> musical. <laughs> so I would like it. Because <laughs> it's, it's essentially like Sadie Hawkins, like a bunch of men from the mountains come down to the town and steal women to bring them back to the mountains so they can marry them. That's why I'm saying it's not How PC. is that Sadie Hawkins? Sadie Hawkins when the girls ask. Oh, is it? I had that reversal. <laughs> So it's reverse Sadie Hawkins. <laughs> but anyway, like it's the whole musical, and of course they end up like putting the men in their place. And so it, it is fun, but in today's world, people would not like it wouldn't that. Work. It wouldn't work. But I still own it. There's a really cool dance scene in it. Let me borrow it. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I'd love to see it. Uh, they tried to use monkeys as the gremlins originally, but the test monkey panicked when they had to wear a gremlin head. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I'm so glad they didn't. That I wonder. No, yeah, I was gonna say the puppet or the animatronics, whatever they did, was great. That would yeah. have been a great day to be on set while they were testing out those monkeys and hats. <laughs> uh, the set for Kingston Falls is the same one used for Back to the Future. Both movies were filmed at the Universal's backlot. In fact, the movie theater you see there is the same one that he crashes into with the, with the DeLorean. Huh. Yeah. Nice. Uh, generally, this is generally credited, along with Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom, to influence the MPAA to create the PG-13 rating, as many felt the scenes of violence in both movies were too much for a PG rating, but not enough for an R rating. So thank you, Gremlins. <laughs> Seriously. Yeah. Uh, the time machine prop from the time machine can be seen behind Rand Peltzer when he's on the phone with his wife while attending the convention. A moment later, the machine has disappeared into the future yes. or the past to the astonishment of several onlookers. Also attending the convention are Steven Spielberg, Jerry Goldsmith, and Robbie the Robot. That's pretty funny. <laughs> but I didn't notice that until this time watching it because I, I remember seeing the time. Is that the time machine? And the next, they're all like looking at the spot where it used to be, and I was like, did it disappear? <laughs> uh, yeah, I'll, That's I, really funny. I didn't notice any of that. This was the fourth highest grossing movie of 1984 behind Beverly Hills Cop, Ghostbusters, and Indiana Jones. And it came out the same weekend as Ghostbusters also. That's impressive. Yeah. 
the Santa speech <laughs> proved to be very controversial, and studio executives insisted upon its removal because they felt it was too ambiguous as to whether it was supposed to be funny or sad. Joe Dante stubbornly refused to take the scene out, saying it represented the film as a whole, which had a combination of horrific and comedic elements. Steven Spielberg did not like the scene, but despite his creative control, he viewed Gremlins as Dante's project and allowed him to leave it in. It's good that it stayed in. Yeah. It kind of, it, it, I, I'm going to use this word a couple of times. It satirizes the idea that in a horror film, they always have that one moment where they have a, one person talking about this really sad thing that happened to them, which you sit there going, why are you telling us this now? Yeah. yeah. Not the time. Uh, but so yeah, there's there's the trivia. Were you guys excited to see this movie for the show, Joel? Uh, I kind of was. I remembered watching it at a daycare when I was a lot younger, and I never <laughs> care. <laughs> so sure. <laughs> no, That's I mean like awesome. this was this was the movie they had like on VHS, and I remember I wasn't obviously like you're a kid, so you're running around. But I remember having it on, mm-hmm. and them like I think they had a marathon one day, like Gremlins, then Gremlins two. I don't know how old I was. It was definitely back before we. St- started like being little snowflakes and worrying about what everyone was watching <laughs> but i just remember always liking gremlins but it was never a movie that i owned and it was never a movie that i rented so it's a weird bout because there were a lot of movies i've had the blockbuster movie pass where me and my brother would you know we'd watch two movies in a day go back that night and rent two more because you could pay what was it, like 30 30 a month i think for like unlimited rentals i don't remember blast. um <coughs> but i was really excited to watch this all the way through as not a child Well, I I was really excited. I know I saw this movie before I was nine. I know that because I had perfected the gizmo voice at that time. I could do it perfectly. As an adult, my voice has changed. I cannot do it any longer. Uh, I hadn't moved to my new town yet, and I had been introduced to this movie through one of those books-on-tape combos where it was like, and you will know to turn the page when you hear R2-D2 beep, and you turn the pages. Remember those? Yeah, I do, actually. Yeah. I had the Gremlins one. Uh, I was fascinated with the pictures of the Gremlins and their cocoons in this book. I used to stare at them because they were so cool looking. (laughs) When I saw the movie, it didn't scare me because I had read it and memorized that book as well as all the voices. I could do a mean imitation of Gizmo when I moved to my new town, but unfortunately, the movie had been out for five years, and I wouldn't gain popularity with that talent until the fourth grade in 1990. Ouch. JC, how about you? I've never seen it the whole way before. I think this is another movie I saw with my neighbors uh, down in their basement. Uh, but I remember thinking I didn't really need to pay attention to it. I remember it being on and like people laughing at things, but I never remember actually sitting down and watching it. I couldn't. I I knew I'd seen what the gremlin looked like. I knew I'd seen a couple of the scenes, mm-hmm. but I'd never actually watched it from beginning to end. So I did that for the first time this morning. I watched it for the first time this morning. It is interesting because everybody, if you haven't seen this movie, you still remember the, what the Gizmo and Gremlins look like. Yeah, because it was such a unique art direction, you hadn't seen anything like that before. Exactly. And I, I don't know. Did you have a Gizmo toy when you were a kid? No, I didn't. Did you? I didn't. I, I did not. I, I had seen them and I knew what they were, but yeah, no. It made me think of a Furby. That yeah, when Furbies first came out, I was like, aren't those Mogwai? Gremlins, huh? Little monsters. Right. Hundreds of them. Well, I'm not sure. Maybe thousands. Wow. <laughs> Look, I know it sounds crazy. I know it does. But in a matter of hours, this town is going to be turned into a major disaster area. Now you have got to warn people. You think this kid is drunk, Brent? No, well, you are, huh? <laughs> I am not drunk. Tell me something, Billy. Listen up. Where do these little uh, uh, gremlins come from, huh? All right. My father gave me one as a present. Oh, present. Did your father always give you uh, 
vicious little monsters for a present? No, no, they don't start out vicious at first. Oh, of course not. They don't. They look like this. Could you dim the lights in here, please? Sure. Go ahead, Brent. Dim the lights. Uh, well, we're going to do the synopsis of the movie, courtesy of the IMDb. Kingston Falls is a small, economically depressed town in the northeastern U.S. that had been hit hard by the loss of jobs in the 70s and 80s. Many of the people were out of work. One such person was Rand Peltzer, a middle-aged man who we see in Chinatown in New York looking for a Christmas present for his son, Billy, as the movie opens. Rand had become an inventor of dubious skills. <laughs> he made a little money selling his un usually unreliable inventions, but it was Billy who had a job as a bank teller who was keeping the family just barely above water. So Rand hoped to sell one of his inventions to the proprietor of a junk store in Chinatown, but he became interested in a little furry creature he found in the back. <laughs> the elderly proprietor refused to sell the creature, but his teenage grandson, knowing that their family also was desperate for money, sold the creature to Rand without his grandfather's knowledge or consent. The boy told Rand three important rules for care of the creature, but did not elaborate on why they were important. So you get Chinatown in New York. At first, I didn't know they were in New York. I thought they were legitimately in China. Oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> but it does, it reminds me of Big Trouble in Little China, where everything oh, is accentuated. Is a, a little, and that's the thing. When I first started watching this, I sort of went that way, and I'm like, okay, this is going to be funny. This is campy. Yeah. It's campy horror. I'm like, I can get behind campy horror. Walk into a, a mysterious China shop, and, mm. you know, there's all sorts of trinkets that could do things and be mysterious, and... He's trying to sell the bathroom buddy, <laughs> which is a horrible invention. <laughs> when you look at it, it probably it, it's a big block. It's a brick <laughs> that's supposed to make things easier for you, but everything's attached to the brick. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing shrunk down. It's just no, no bueno. Yes, and the toothpaste shoots all over him. But that much fix that in, in a way to make a statement about that culture back then. You have the man trying to buy something, a Westerner trying to buy something that has no price. Typical. And, yeah, typ typical. Let's point the finger at capitalism, right? Uh, <laughs> but uh, it, he looks in. We don't see the Mogwai yet. No. We don't no. see it. We just see the ears and the silhouette, and that's about it. Uh, so we really don't know what the heck it is. But there are three rules we're introduced to from the grandson. Don't get it wet. Uh, don't let doesn't, it get It doesn't like sunlight. And don't feed it after midnight, which if you're a kid, you can sit there going, oh, okay, so when I go to sleep. When you're an adult, you go, every time is after midnight. <laughs> also, what well, my my thought was like, well, what time zone? <laughs> Does it adjust based on traveling? The things we need to figure out in this film as adults. <laughs> yeah. How does it bathe? How does it hydrate? Were there any parts of this first scene that didn't work for you? Uh, it was very typical '80s to me. I yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, I was okay with it because I thought I was getting into like Big Trouble in Little China. I thought the eye reveal was interesting because when it first happened, I'm like, wait, did his eye change color? Oh, because <laughs> I felt like he had two like dark eyes, yeah. And then all of a sudden, they really accentuated the white. I'm like, did they accentuate it because it changed? Like, literally, as soon as he asked about the Mogwai, did it literally change color, or maybe they just revealed it for the first time? I wasn't sure. Or could it be symbolism? Or symbol light and dark? Maybe Mogwai I don't know. Gremlin. Oh, that's probably reading too too far into a Dante film. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> or maybe just far enough. So we then meet Billy, who can't get his car started one cold December morning. <laughs> he gives up after a while and talks to his friend Pete, and then to another family friend, Mr. Futterman, who had also lost a job some while back. Mr. Futterman gets a run on a tractor. <laughs> he does the traffic car. Awesome. 
Wow. Mr. Futterman knows that American goods, which he produced a few years earlier, are built like a tank and the best in the world, and he is highly distrustful of cheaper, lower-quality imports, including Billy's car that cost him his job. Billy goes to his job at the bank on foot, his dog Barney in tow, and just barely makes it on time. Shout out to high school work ethic getting a job at a bank. <laughs> yeah, really. <laughs> is he in high school? I, mean, I he, think so. He goes to his, the science teacher and has him run the tests, right? Yeah, I guess so. I, I never. Yeah. Okay. I thought he was a high school student. I thought he was a high school dropout or something. He looked older. Maybe. He does look. That's that was what I was trying to figure out with this scene. Like, is he older? Is he just still lives with his parents? Yeah. Or is he a high schooler in an era that you have to have a job because there's not a lot of money going around? Or is it a small town thing where we take the work where we can get it? Right. Maybe. I think it's more that. Okay. Uh, but you know, he has trouble. First of all, you get the Christmas theme right away. Yeah. Yes. This is a Christmas movie. Boom. They slam you in the face with it at the Christmas tree lot. Uh, <laughs> you get uh, the introduction of Corey Feldman as the Christmas tree kid. Which is hilarious. <laughs> Just as Christmas tree. <laughs> I wish that, I don't wish that we would have done this movie earlier, but I wish I would have rewatched this movie earlier so we could have talked about it a little bit more on our Christmas special mm-hmm. that we did, but also maybe leave something else for us this upcoming year. Yeah. But you're right. I, I looked past it when you said it when we were doing the show because you're like, Gremlins is a Christmas movie. And I just believed you because I hadn't seen it in a while. But this would have been a really fun Christmas movie to talk about. Yeah. Uh, we get Mr. Futterman. Mr. Futterman is just an angry old man in the world. Seems like a nice guy, but clearly has a beef against foreign products. Right. Anti Eastern philosophies. There it is. <laughs> America, America, America. We got slammed in the face of that. And Billy works at a bank and he's, brought, and he's brought his dog in where he just keeps under the table, which, again, maybe this is a small town thing. I don't know. I didn't grow up in a small town, so these are assumptions I am making. Well, I mean, shoot, at our school last year, you were allowed to bring your pet for a while until we started realizing people had allergies. Yeah, I appreciate that. (laughs) There you go. (laughs) (laughs) So, okay. While he's at work, he's visited by Mrs. Deagle, a bitter, mean-spirited old woman who owns much property in town, and her stranglehold on it exacerbates many of the people's financial distress. Mrs. Deagle tells Billy that his dog destroyed one of her lawn ornaments, but would rather have the dog put down than be paid for the damages. The dog, sensing that something is up, jumps out from under Billy's desk and frightens Mrs. Deagle. The bank manager, Mr. Corbin, yells at Billy for bringing his dog to work, but lets him keep his job. Jay-Z, do you want to go on to Mrs. Deagle here? Mrs. Deagle is the worst character of a villain ever. (laughs) Like, you instantly need to hate her, so check one. Yep. You instantly need to want something bad to happen to her, check two. And so part of me hates her because the movie made me hate her, but part of me loves the fact that the movie did its job and that mm-hmm. you are meant to hate this person, and they instantly made you hate them instantly. The problem is that she is one of those characters that has no redeeming qualities, yeah. none whatsoever, yeah. not a single She's one. She's evil to the core. Yeah, <laughs> Exactly. Joe and I have talked about this off of the show. About uh, in WWE, there's a villain or a character, Vicky Guerrero. <laughs> yep. Uh, it was Eddie Guerrero's wife, and she was the most obnoxious character ever. <laughs> but if you want to go back and write a book of some of the best heels in wrestling history, <laughs> Vicky Guerrero would be at the top because she did such a good job at making you hate her and cringe every time you heard her voice. Yeah. And so it was just what you were saying, J- JC. It's a balance of. I don't know whether they just need to get rid of this character altogether or if I want to respect the people that put this show together because I legitimately, in my being, hate the sight and sound of this person. And I 100% agree, yes. And she also, everything she says, every word she says is awful. 
Yes. Everything. Mm-hmm. There's like, there's no th- redeeming quality about her at all. You think she can't go any further than what she says to the mom in front of the kids? And then she talks about putting the dog down. Like, Slowly. you better hope that they don't get him. Because if I get him, he's going to go down slow. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, she's awful. She's carrying around a giant snowman's head. <laughs> it's just, it looks creepy already. Yeah. But sh- there's also something underlying here, and that is she's buying all these properties to accumulate wealth, Western capitalism. Yep. Right there. So we exactly. keep seeing this theme. She's got to be that evil face we put to it. Um, after work, Billy stops by the bar, and he runs into Judge Reinhold. <laughs> Could have used more Judge Reinhold in this movie. <laughs> Don't put his name in the credits unless you're going to give me plenty of judge. Yeah. Uh, Billy stops by the bar where he sees one of his co-workers, Kate, whom he is interested in romantically, has a part-time side job at the bar. He returns home and talks to his mother just before his father, Rand, gets home from his trip to Chinatown. Let's stop here for a second. Billy's a drawer, too. He's an artist. Yeah. Yeah. And I thought that was going to be something later on in the movie, Mm -hmm. like where he would suddenly get a job or something because of his comics. But no, it it was kind of just a gimmick. And part of me was like, why'd you put that? In? Like, that was a genuinely interesting thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And there was no resolution to it. So why put it in there in the first place? The only callback to it is when Gizmo first gets hit with water later on because it's at his drafting desk. Yeah. But that's but they, the only But they could have done that scene anywhere else. They didn't have to do it right there. Yeah. And they don't really get back into Billy's art skills until Gremlins 2. So, yeah, which... Oh, if you didn't like this movie, JC, Gremlins 2. <laughs> Actually, Gremlins 2, you might like. Oh, is that it? Yeah, it is as campy as could possibly be. All right. Yeah. But I, I think I think I would have been more okay with that because, yeah, we'll get into this later, but my biggest issue is primarily I don't know what this movie was trying to do. But then again, as they said with, uh, with her speech, they didn't like her speech because was it funny? Was yeah. it serious? Right. I and like I think that legit sums up this movie. Mm-hmm. Was the movie funny or was it serious? And you know me. I don't like when I don't. You don't like straddling the fence. I don't. Yeah. Uh, Rand has the creature, a mogwai, which he has named Gizmo. Ah, after an invention. Ah. <laughs> and since the living creature can't wait until Christmas to open it up, Rand gives him the present a few days early. After the flash from a camera frightens the creature, Rand remembers to tell his son the three rules. And, you know, the creature did not like Bright Like, and he's adorable. Oh, I I love him. Yeah. Every kid in America saw this and went, I want one. Exactly. (laughs) And it makes me, you know, we've kind of chastised occasionally George Lucas for the toy gimmick thing with Star Wars and how he capitalized on that. But this is the example of let's create a toy and build a movie around it. Yeah. And it yeah. works, kind of, you it know? Really does. And it really ticks you off because later on, when they start really doing this in awful ways with like munchies and uh, ghoulies and all these other little tiny creature things, it, it doesn't work as well as Gremlins yeah. did. And there's a reason why they want to do a third Gremlins movie now. Like, I could see one being done now properly yeah. to today's audiences. Instead of, it's not a core comedy, it's not a comedy, it's straight horror. Yeah. <laughs> you know? The next day, Billy sees his friend Pete again. Oh, wait, I got a question. You both own pets, or you've owned pets in your past, right? Mm-hmm. At some point. Yeah. If you had a dog, would you introduce this tiny little thing in front of the dog right away? No. Uh, I mean, it depends on the nature of the dog. Okay. The funny thing about this dog is every time we see it, it's super calm, and I'll oh, even yeah. say later, it might be one of the best actors in the movie. Being hung by Christmas lights. Yeah. That's true. And it's like so <laughs> calm, it's like uh, Max from the live-action Grinch. 
Oh. But every story they tell about it is how it's this big nuisance and how it can't mind its own business and how it gets into everything. So the from what I see, it's like, oh, maybe it would be calm enough to see something new, but that's again goes with the conflicting stories of the movie. Is this a wild <laughs> dog or is it a super calm chill dog? Yeah. It's also you know, Billy comes home, slams the door, the the swords fall. Which is funny. This is a recurring theme throughout this entire thing, the swords falling off the wall. Also, and that reminds me, we watched the we you know, we played the original trailer for the movie. Yeah. Watch the trailer before you watch the movie. If you all are out there and you haven't watched it on Netflix yet, because that does a much better job at setting you up for what this movie might be. Yes, it does. If you go into this dry like I did you spend the entire movie trying to figure out what it is, <laughs> and then you have to watch it again later that day now that you kind of know. Yeah. Well, that's probably why we have trailers, you know. Yeah. No, uh, you're right. But also, you know, so, so he goes to see his mom in the kitchen. Mom's trying to cook something. Mom says, break some eggs. He uses one of his dad's inventions again, doesn't break an egg properly. She's watching It's a Wonderful Life, mm-hmm. which is the opposite of this film. <laughs> it's, it's a Wonderful Life ends up being a story of, oh, looking back and, hey, this is a happy Christmas movie at the end. This movie is not meant to be a happy Christmas movie. This is meant to be, you know, a little bit rougher around the edges. Yeah. Every Christmas call out in this is in some way linked to this movie. Mrs. Deagle is the bad guy from It's a Wonderful Life, but a satirized version of it. It takes place in a small town. Everybody's financially in woe. And then Dad comes home, and they tell her, turn off all the lights, but they leave the fire roaring, which is probably the brightest light in the room. <laughs> Because aren't the, when they go to the bar later, isn't she like messing around with the matches and the gremlins are afraid of the matches? Yes. But this Mogwai's not afraid of the fire that's right behind it? A lot I of loose ends, huh? Yeah. What about continuity? <laughs> oh, when you're a kid, I guess you don't need but it. But again, that's when you get into the, well, if it's a kid's movie, then who cares? Because a lot of stuff happens in kids' movies that don't make sense, like beating up adults using karate and stuff <laughs> like that. <laughs> oh, ouch. <laughs> the next day, Billy sees his friend Pete again and they play with Gizmo. But Pete accidentally knocks over a glass of water and gets Gizmo wet. Whoa. Gizmo goes into convulsions and five tiny furballs pop out of his back. A very memorable scene. Yes. Yes. And it was very disturbing. Like, that's the other impressive part about the animatronics and the puppeteering was like, Gizmo showed pain. It was Gizmo effects. Gizmo showed legit acting chops. And that was. That was pretty cool. The pain on his face, the the screams you hear as it's popping out, mm-hmm. and then the look on his face minutes later when he sees them all, like, oh, no, I know what this is. Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, can we say that Gizmo may be one of the best actors in this film? I have that in my notes for later. Yeah, <laughs> he absolutely is. The fur balls grow, and a few minutes later, they develop into creatures just like Gizmo. He is reproduced. Oh, sex scene. Yay. Essentially. <laughs> He goes to tell his father about it, and his father immediately starts thinking about how he might make money selling them. (laughs) Pete wants to take a creature home, but Billy thought it best to take one to the local school and have the science teacher examine it first. Once there, he puts a single drop of water on the creature, and one new creature emerges. The teacher, fascinated, keeps it for examination, and Billy leaves. (laughs) I love the scene where the, the thing pops out. They're on opposite sides of the cardboard, but they're knocking on the cardboard to each other. Yeah. It's a it's a cute little scene in the middle of it to kind of give you the, like, oh, these are still lovable little animals. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, but what did you think when you saw all these different mogwai? I mean, they all look different. One clearly has the mohawk. <laughs> you know which one's the bad one. Yeah. <laughs> do they do that because it's for kids and you have to be a little more obvious about it? I think so. Maybe, yeah. Uh, it's, it's also the 80s. Yeah, mohawks are evil in the 80s, weren't they? Yeah. 
<laughs> Every time you saw a biker game, like Police Academy, everybody had a mohawk. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but yeah, so he, t- he he wants to figure out more about the creature, and he takes him to a science teacher, and well, not like a who, lo- who else would you really know to take it to? Maybe a vet. A vet. Maybe a, uh, as yeah. As soon as I said that, maybe a vet. Yeah. Is is he just the science teacher that he knew from high school, or because we never ever see him at any other point in school? So school's in session, but he's going to work, so he's out of school. Yeah. It, um, if you want to look at the Gremlins Wikipedia or the Gremlins Wiki or whatever <laughs> the page they've made for this movie, it says he's a young adult, so he's not a teenager. He's not in school. I guess he's just still a young adult living at home. Yeah. <laughs> Billy discovers that the new creature's personalities are markedly different from Gizmo's. Gizmo is friendly and playful, but the new creatures are mean, nasty, and destructive. One of them has a white mohawk, which Billy names Stripe, is the leader of the new pack. Stripe tries to bite Billy's hand when he, tries to, when he goes to pet it. That evening, Billy finds his dog Barney hanging from some Christmas lights outside, <laughs> which I don't know a single dog that would be okay with that acting scene. No, no probably not. Like, you must have sedated that dog for this scene. Uh, thing, like, I was impressed with this dog and its acting abilities. <laughs> <laughs> he immediately suspects Mrs. Deagle, but there were no footprints anywhere outside. Rand tells Billy that he would take Barney with him when he goes to an upcoming inventor's convention where he hoped to peddle his wares some more. And my guess is this is the writer's way of saying, let's get rid of the dog. It's going to be too much of a pain when the gremlins show up. Later, Billy stops by the bar again and sees Kate persuade a very drunk, dejected Mr. Futterman to walk home instead of driving. Billy walks Kate home, and on the way, she tells him that she dislikes Christmas, but gets defensive when he asks why. Just as they arrive at Kate's place, Billy asks her out, and she accepts. Aw, that's so sweet. Yeah, we kind of hoped this would happen. I mean, we were rooting on those kids the entire movie, all 30 minutes of it so far. Oh, That night, Billy is reading, and the creatures are clamoring to be fed. He looks over at the clock. It's 11.35, so Billy goes and gets the creatures some fried chicken, which all the creatures devour, except Gizmo, who refuses. Also, who stores chicken openly in the refrigerator? <laughs> without, a, without a cover? No or cover. Like- Obviously, it wasn't leftovers because it was a full <laughs> plate. So what kind of what type of child yeah. ha- takes his family's food for uh, clearly the next day because no one's touched it yet and gives it to the animals? I didn't think about that. Why isn't it wrapped up? Or no, it's not. <laughs> it's just left out in the open in there. Just to dry out. doesn't matter to the Mogwai. They tear that thing apart. It doesn't look dry to me. They do an amazing job of making their eating habits look disgusting. Mm-hmm. Like the drool's coming off of it yeah. as they're eating it. It's ugh. I love also how Gizmo shows self-control and awareness of his situation. Yeah, sitting in the bed, like reading a book or whatever, he's just like <laughs> shaking the chicken off. Like, no, no, it's yeah, it's, like, my, it's not my time. Book. Like, but it's also showing why Gizmo is maybe the best part of the movie because he clearly knows what's going to happen because he's lived it. Like, yeah. I have stupid owners that need to go through this. I need to hide and just stay alive myself. But at some point, they will eventually all die, and I will <laughs> go back to being me. Go back to the Chinese shop. There was a novel that was done based on this book where they go into the origin of the Mogwai and that they were actually created by some mad scientist on another planet or whatever it was. And uh, one in ten, I believe the number was one in 10,000 in this book was supposed to be good. The rest were just mean, destructive, awful things. And the good one was supposed to be uh, immortal until, you know, but then later on in Gremlins 2, they kind of debunk it saying, oh no, anybody is subject to being an awful thing. Okay. Yeah. Meanwhile, at the school, the science teacher antagonizes the creature in his care by performing blood tests on it. <gasps> Jerk. Yes. He pulls out that needle, and in a very, very 
evil way. He's like, I'm just going to take a little bit of blood from you here. You still mad at me from that blood test? (laughs) (laughs) Yes, he is still mad at you from the blood test. You don't belong to him. (laughs) So, yeah, if you didn't get the capitalism side, you're going to get the uh, anti-experimenting on pets side now. Yeah. Yeah, really. After working well into the night, the teacher leaves around 2.20 a.m. He left half a sandwich on the table. <laughs> which Who the, does that? Which scientist just leaves food out? Unless I was sharing it with somebody else, I've never just had half of a sandwich be like, oh, I'm done. <laughs> the creature reaches from it, grabs the tinfoil, and starts chowing down on some sandwich. The next day is Christmas Eve. In the morning, Rand is left with Barney for the convention, and Billy asks his mother to come upstairs and look. All the creatures have disappeared except Gizmo. They've been replaced by alien eggs. Yes, alien <laughs> eggs. <laughs> Who doesn't need that? And not only that, this isn't like the eggs we saw in Alien. These are disgusting alien eggs. Yeah. And this is where, like, I was with the movie up until this point. Really? I was. And then by this point, I'm like, okay, I'm not sure. I th- is it now going to be serious? Is it now going? Like, I was just very confused. It was... I remember when I first saw them in the picture of the, my book that I had, and I was like, "I was like, oh my gosh, those look amazing!" Uh, and it wasn't until I, I think it was a year later that I saw Alien. Okay. And so I was kind of like, "Oh, those are like the same eggs that I saw in Gremlins!" Oh my gosh. Uh, but they are disgusting. This does a great. This movie is all about disgusting and gross. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's also as beautiful and as cute these Mogwai are. This is how disgusting the opposite side is for them. And it's all over his room. If I woke up to that, I'd be like, ah, oh, get a cleaning lady in here or something. This is exactly, disgusting. yeah. <laughs> I wouldn't be like, Mom, come on up here and check this out. <laughs> the reactions are very dry. And <laughs> they're not... Because even after this is one of my least favorite uh, scenes, which you're about to read, which is where he just like pulls the cord from the clock and goes, Hey, Mom. What's going on here? I'm like, oh, classic children's (laughs) 80s, 90s movie line. (laughs) Yeah. They have been replaced by soccer ball-sized cocoons, which appear inert. His mother asks him if he fed them after midnight, and Billy looks over the clock, still says 1135, says the famous line, and then, oops. I'm sorry. But then it's it's, everybody just goes about their business. Spin zone. (laughs) What if Billy's character is actually... Judge Reinhold's character in the Santa Claus, who grows up to hate Christmas, because everything Billy says in this movie <laughs> sounds just as sedated as any line that Judge Reinhold has in Santa Claus, where he talks about feelings and Santa. So this is the Santa Claus slash Gremlins theory. Yes. <laughs> Let's get I think we can all get behind it. I want to know what happened to Judge Reinhold. Nothing. They used him, they used <laughs> they, him to get me excited, and that, then they got rid of him. T- I, I, compl- I completely agree. I'm like, you saw him, that he had the cool scene at the bar. I even expected a death scene. Like, I expected something. You don't even see anything happen to his boss. What happens to his boss? Yeah. You see the bank wrecked. Did the boss die? Did Judge die? That bugged me. I'm trying to think. The only person you really see dead is the science teacher, isn't it? He's not even dead. He, he could be asleep for all we know because he just had a syringe in his leg. So we could it was in his been, butt. Well, it was in his butt. So it could have been <laughs> he was just like asleep or knocked out. They that's what they did when you put in. That's where like it works with a children's movie because it doesn't say oh he's dead. Yeah. It means okay he's just out because it's a syringe 
and it could have been a tranquilizer or it could have been poison. We don't know. But it does not flat out show you this man is totally dead. You assume. We assume because we see the gremlins later on doing things to kill, you know, wielding yes. knives and chainsaws. But yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, everybody just goes about their business after seeing the eggs. Mom's yeah. going to go down cooking. Uh, Billy's going to go to work. <laughs> In the afternoon, Rand Peltzer calls home from the convention. It was out of his. It was out of his league. The inventors there are far more advanced than he was, so he was going to come home early and we'd be late in that night. Must be the time machine that threw him off. Oh, yeah, <laughs> really. <laughs> Meanwhile, Billy and Pete meet the science teacher at the school, where the creature there has undergone a similar transformation. The teacher refers to it as the pupil stage. Pupil stage? Yep, that's what he said. The pupil stage. <laughs> this is your science teacher in a small town, right? I guess so. <laughs> yeah, really. Afterward, the bell rings, and the teacher wishes his departing students a Merry Christmas, and he would see them after winter break. Just after that time, the cocoons start to hatch. At the Peltzer house, a terrified gizmo takes refuge inside a football helmet, (laughs) which I don't believe for a second Billy played football. No. (laughs) The teacher calls Billy at the bank, telling him they've hatched, and Billy, who is just getting off work, runs to the school. Then he finds, there he finds that the creature has killed the teacher and shoved a syringe from the blood test into his butt. Now, again, we don't know if it's been killed as adults, but as a kid, if you see a syringe in somebody's body and he's laying there, you assume dead. Yeah, I have heard the moment something hits your butt, it is instant death. Yes, from a kid, right? Yeah. Okay, immediately alarmed, he reaches for the phone, but a clawed hand rises up and bats him away. He follows the creature through the building and gets his first look at the now vaguely reptilian creature when it takes another swipe at him. It isn't much bigger than before, but it is much more malicious and has teeth and razor-sharp claws with which to cause havoc, and the creature escapes. (laughs) (laughs) I love these things. I was going to say, they look cool, and they're funny. I I like them as well. They are the goofiest, evilest looking things on the planet. Again, original design. Take Alien and make it silly. Yep. Years later? No, two years later, Aliens comes out. Hmm? Coincidence? I didn't realize this was before Aliens. Gremlins came out two years before Aliens. That's interesting to Ah. me. (laughs) James Cameron, we know where you got your inspiration. I was going to say, cheat. But also with Gremlins, we know where it got its inspiration with the alien eggs. Which came first, chicken or the egg? Yes. Meanwhile, at the Peltzer house, the creatures have pulled Gizmo from his hiding place and are busy torturing him. They have him on a dartboard throwing darts. So funny. <laughs> but uh, clearly missing by quite a bit. <laughs> well, no one said that they were athletes. No. Nope. <laughs> that or they're so good, they're just trying to, like, make him scared. Yeah. Billy's mother hears sounds upstairs and goes up with a knife to investigate. She finds nothing except the five hatched cocoons. Just then, Billy calls her from the school, warning her to leave the house immediately. But one of the creatures disconnects the phone line. <laughs> wow. <laughs> then she hears the noises downstairs, goes to investigate, and sees the creatures making a mess of the place. Using all the bad inventions in the house, she kills the creatures one at a time. One gets in a blender. That's the, that is the most memorable scene for me. I've been, I was waiting the entire movie for the blender. <laughs> That's what I remember from my childhood. That and the uh, the reproduction. Well, the microwave, yes, but the reproductive part where the fur balls pop off of his body. Yes. So you get one in the blender, which spins around. You see black blood fly all over the place. Disgusting. One gets insecticide in the face into the microwave and gets exploded. Mm -hmm. 
And every child who saw this said, what can I put in the microwave and watch it explode? Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But we also learned, don't put pets in microwaves. Yes. Yes. She stabs a third on the kitchen counter. Uh, The fourth one was hiding in the Christmas tree. (laughs) Attacked. Billy, who had just run from the school, arrived at home, grabs one of the swords that usually falls off the wall, and decapitates the creature. So they've been sharpened. They don't hang on the wall, but those swords have been sharpened. (laughs) Sending it headlong into the fireplace. The fifth creature, the one with the mohawk, escapes from the house. Into the snow, which is frozen water. Wouldn't that make it multiply? Yeah, you would think. You would think. Oh, well, continuity. (laughs) I almost want to have kids watch this with me so I can, like, see what they believe. You know what? Maybe that's why I should watch this with with the boy, just to sort of get back to that. Okay, is this? Am I? Have I lost what it means to be a child? <laughs> <laughs> I don't think so, because you're reliving it every time you watch a new movie with your, with, the, with the boy. That's true. Uh, so yeah, the fifth creature, the one with the mohawk, the the meanest one of them all, is the one that escapes. Bad boy. Yeah. What you gonna do? Billy grabs Gizmo, and they track the creature to the YMCA where it had broken in. The creature takes another swipe at him, and Billy is just in time to see it jump into the pool, multiplying. And I don't Yay. know about you, I love the effect of the pool bubbling and all the green lights and stuff mm-hmm. coming out. Like, yeah. As a kid, I was sitting there going, something bad's going on. Oh, my gosh, what's happening? But I also want to know how the heck they did that effect, because they had to do it with the release of smoke in there also from all those bubbles in a gigantic pool. It does make you wonder if there's a behind-the-scenes or a making of feature it that would be really good for this. Yeah. And then you know in as terrifying as we've seen it, it jumps in the pool and plugs its nose on the way down. <laughs> and see that's the thing. It's like it. at one point like this is dark and foreboding and then it does something like that. And I'm like, <laughs> what the hell is this movie? So funny. Is it a comedy or is it a horror? Like I just don't know. What's your new horror Christmas movie? Krampus. Was it anything like this as far as the humor? Yeah. Yeah, so he jumps in the pool. A few minutes later, thousands of little gremlins emerge. And I love how they emerge. Isn't this where you see, like, the, the town, it's dark at one point. You see and one gremlin just, show up, and then, they, and then he goes back, and then they all show it's up. It's a massive yeah. parade. And unfortunately, that was the worst-looking effect of the whole movie, was them just sort of bouncing. But that's where, like, 80s kid popped in. And I'm like, okay, that's good because it's 80s. Yeah. yeah. That's from the 80s. That's, that's okay. I'm not going to knock that one. And to be honest with you, it was not bad stop motion. No, it wasn't. No. I mean, th- that we talked about stop motion with Fantastic Fox. This is right there with it. Mm-hmm. Billy returns home and takes his mother to go see a doctor for the wounds inflicted by the fourth gremlin. Then he goes to the police station and tries to get the cops to take action, or at least warn people, but the cops think he's drunk. They refuse to do anything. The first calls are coming in about freak accidents and fires caused by gremlins, and the cops go out to check things out, leaving Billy alone. And one of the cops is the guy from Breaking Bad. Uh, yeah. He's one of the character actors that's always in it, and he's always plays a bad guy. And in this, he's actually one of the good guys. The gremlins are busy little creatures. <laughs> yes, they are. <laughs> and set out to destroy as much as they can. They injure a man who is putting a mail in a mailbox, tamper with the electrical grid, causing sparks to fly and lights to go on and off all over town. They cause car wrecks by making all the lights at an intersection green, which we haven't really seen any cars in the streets lately. They just happen to show up at this point, I guess. They kill Mrs. Deagle by tampering with her stair lift, making it go so fast it flings her out of upstairs window. And there's <laughs> another thing that pissed me off. Like, she so. deserved, like, of all the people that deserved, I hated the Futterman deaths. I hated 
hated the Futterman deaths. Are we done? No, that was before this. No, it's after. Oh, sorry. Then I'll get to that. Anyway, <laughs> her her death. No, it's after. So literally, like no, because I just watched it this morning. Deagle dies after the Futtermans. The Futtermans are the oh, first. You're, you're right. Yeah, the Futtermans are the first people that die after the Gremlins appear, and that do, those deaths pissed me off because I'm like, seriously. And I have issue with like sometimes when you know the person that's down on their luck, like they shouldn't get to die. Like that's my sense of justice in in movies. <laughs> JC which, Justice, we'll call it. Which which I know like death has no like they don't care. Death is gonna come for whoever at any point. But I'm just like seriously, movie makers and director, <laughs> you kill off the one person that like doesn't deserve to die, First. and then the person that deserves to die mm-hmm. gets the most lazy like not like it's a quick death like. She deserved to be miserable. She deserved, like, uh, that was just, if this is a horror movie, have her have the worst, most gruesome death in the movie. But no, you, they didn't. Something that I want to add to that. Yeah. One, I love that when she does die, her le- you just, like, see her legs sticking up, almost like the <laughs> Wicked Witch. Wicked Witch. Of the West. Yeah, yeah. which um, you see the Wizard of Oz later on in the movie mentioned. Mm-hmm. So what I want to, actually, I think I'm going to talk about later if I remember what I wrote. I don't know if this is so much a story about little murderous creatures as it is just reckless creatures because they don't actually go after anybody to kill them they're just messing with everything yeah and people die in the crossfires because they're just they're just little reckless party animals and the only person that you ever see that like might be in danger is his mom in the kitchen Mm -hmm. but they don't like he like again by the fireplace as well she's the only one that if i remember right they actually go after to hurt and like scratch Yep. Everyone else, they're just messing with everything. And well, no, then they have. Isn't there somebody else? That, no, he only shoots another gremlin. You're right. Yeah. He only shoots another gremlin. It's also to go symbolic on this one. Mrs. Deagle dies. American value of uh, capitalism. The Futtermans die. America, 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 America. You have the uh, the mail. U.S. mail. It's in a U.S. mailbox and it's attacking. Wow. Uh, this is very much saying. We tried to. Co- then you have the scientist. You try to control nature. Nature will win, America. Huh. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. Bill. Okay. So Pete, <laughs> they, they get into the Futterman snowplow and use it to demolish half of his house, and they disable the brakes in the police car. So when the cops are going to the Futtermans, they wreck their car. Police. Yeah. There you go. So we're hitting everything now. Pete manages to keep the gremlins at bay from his bedroom window with a pair of scissors, though. <laughs> like you do. <laughs> Now, Billy gets in his and unreliable... They're the, they're the biggest scissors I've ever seen in my <laughs> they life. They really are. <laughs> like, who has a pair of scissors like that sitting on their desk? He must have done like, a store opening. <laughs> let's, let's be honest. If, if I had scissors on my desk from when I was a kid, they were the little scissors that didn't cut anything. Like, you could go like this on your finger and you wouldn't even get cut, let alone <laughs> cut a freaking piece of paper. Your safety scissors. Exactly. <laughs> but no, he's got giant dagger Dagger scissors. Like they let's let's take two machetes and put them together. But and I re- that's the scissors you have. But I do remember when I was a kid, we had the dress de- the drawer in our house, the kitchen drawer, and mm-hmm. in it was my mom's scissors, and they were a good foot long. It's like the tailoring <laughs> scissors that you use for fabric. Yeah. Um. <laughs> so Billy gets in his unreliable car, and this time it starts without any problem. That's funny. Yeah. <laughs> he goes to the bar to check on Kate, who is being held hostage by the gremlins. The gremlins have occupied the bar and are drinking beer, getting drunk, playing cards, and cheating and being caught. Favorite scene. Break dancing, playing with the ceiling fans, and tearing stuff up as best as they can. <laughs> so I love these things. From the time the eggs appeared, I started to hate this movie. 
Then the Futterman deaths. I really hated the movie. Then I get Deagle's death. Wasn't what I wanted. So now I'm really hating this movie. <laughs> then I get to this scene. And you and I, it all over. I want I want to hate it. I'm like watching this. I'm like, but I'm laughing. I'm like watching this. I'm like, that's so stupid. But I'm laughing. <laughs> so literally this scene wrapped up the whole movie for me. I wanted so badly to hate this scene. Everything in it was so ridiculous, but it was so much fun to watch. The work that went into this scene, the practical effects that went into this scene are amazing. Like, that is a class unto itself. If you want to know how puppeteering, animatronics, anything, watch that scene. And however the hell they got that to work, <laughs> that is a master class. So I did. I got out of this scene. I'm like, God. Damn it, that, that scene's kind of helped me save the movie because I literally was hating the movie up until that point, and I'm literally like, that's so stupid, it's awesome. Mm -hmm. Joel? I watched the last little bit of this eating breakfast this morning, and I love that you said that because I had very similar thoughts in that this m scene makes the movie, but when you watch this scene, I realized this has nothing to do with the movie. <laughs> <laughs> and you can take this scene out entirely, and you lose nothing except for the fact that these little monsters are actually just party animals. Yeah. I look at this scene, and I, you're right. This is a master class in practical effects. Yeah. And it's almost like if you want to sell a movie to a producer, you make this scene, you go, this is what we can do. Okay, make that movie. Yep. But this scene, I know you say it's irrelevant. I look at it as you kind of need this because so far, all the things we've seen the Gremlins do has been violence towards humans. And now you see they're just mischievous, clever little creatures exactly. that want to have fun. I'm saying, like, as far as the scene goes, it adds nothing to, like, where the plot was going or, yeah. like, the resolution. It's almost one of those deleted scenes that they take out of movies where you say, oh, I wish they would have put that in so that we could have understood this character better, so that we could have understand, like, like the picture as a whole. Yeah. And so I, this is one of those scenes that most people now today, I feel like, would take out. And then we would watch in the featurettes and say, that should have been in the movie. <laughs> and it should have. It, it adds nothing to the development of the good versus bad. It just paints a picture of what these little creatures are and yeah. what they're capable of. Yeah. Flashing people. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and that's the other thing. There were so many parts of that scene where I'm like, okay, that's an homage. That's an homage. <laughs> I'm like, that's, that's, that's clever. The jazz, oh, that's, the that's, jazz playing in the back, uh, background. With smoking smoking cigarette. cigarettes. And then the puppets coming. <laughs> He's got puppets. I also love the, the one poker scene where Stripe like, is trying to figure out from the girl gremlin. I guess they have girl and male and female gremlins. Or <laughs> no, it was, just it was a, in drag. Or it was just a guy in drag, and they really love each other. Watch hey, Gremlins hey, 2. Gremlins 2 has a girl gremlin. Whatever, whatever tricks trigger. But um, <laughs> he is trying to figure out what the other gremlin's hand is, and they figure out that the other gremlin has a better hand, so what does he do? He just shoots the gremlin in the head. <laughs> I'm like, okay. But the, I will say that, that part's great, but I, the puppet. <laughs> He's sitting there smoking the cigarette. <laughs> He's like, oh, my God, what did I walk into? <laughs> and then they're like, oh, well, that, that seems to come. Never mind. He's, even the bad guys are endearing. Yes. Kate notices that they shrink away from her matches when she tries to light their cigarettes, which is just goofy. They want cigarettes, but they can't light them. I was going to say, <laughs> how'd they light the cigarettes the first time? <laughs> Quick on the uptake, she picks up a camera and takes their pictures. The flash each time making them cringe. She gets to the door, but is confronted by another gremlin wearing sunglasses and holding a gun. Even this gremlin is forced to retreat when the glare of Billy's headlights illuminates the bar's front window. Kate leaves with Billy. Meanwhile, 
Rand Peltzer is still on his way home. He stops at a gas station to call home again, but he can't get through. The line is out. He does manage to bring in a little money by selling one of his inventions, a smokeless ashtray, which actually billows smoke, to the attendant. <laughs> Barney barks at him, which irritates him. They still have a long drive ahead of them. Okay. Does this scene need to be in there? No. Or is this like, hey, remember Rand? He's still here. Yeah. It just adds to Rand's completion at the end. Yeah. They, I mean, it just helps him with his invention thing. I don't know. But no, it doesn't need to. Rand really misses the entire chaos that happened. Yeah. He <laughs> buys it, lets the chaos happen, and ignores it. I do love Rand. Yeah. So this time, the car doesn't start, so they have to run for it. <laughs> this car just sucks. What's well, yeah, that's, I mean, that's the way with cars. They usually perform best right before they die. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. Uh, they go to the bank only to find that it too has been vandalized by the gremlins. They can hear small explosions in the distance. Kate says that now she has two reasons to dislike Christmas. And this time she tells Billy the first reason in the weirdest interlude ever in a what? movie. <laughs> When she well, this took a dark turn. When she yes. was a little girl, her father disappeared without a trace on Christmas Eve. He didn't turn up on Christmas either. He was discovered dead several days later in their chimney, where he was dressed as Santa Claus. He had been hoping to surprise Kate, but it slipped and broken his neck, and his body got stuck there. But, like, the mom didn't know that that's what his plan was? <laughs> I do. Yeah, there's a couple problems. Who goes down the chimney? I never thought of ever doing that. No but one did, because it's insane. And hopefully kids aren't listening to our podcast who still believe in Santa Claus. <laughs> well, obviously Whoops, this was not spoiler. the real Santa. Kids. <laughs> the real Santa has more common sense than that. It's, uh... Th th yeah, th <laughs> <laughs> He's been there before. Okay, this scene, you mentioned why she hates Christmas. I guess you have to give a reason, but you have to go this deep into it. And is it supposed to be a dark comedic thing, or is it meant to be something serious you're supposed to take seriously? I don't know. I feel something like they... serious you're supposed to take seriously. That's funny. I, <laughs> <laughs> I know. As soon as I said it, I heard it. I was like, oh. You needed a comedic director for this scene, I think. Okay, after telling the story, they notice that Calm has returned to the town, and all the lights are on. Figuring they must all be someplace dark, they go to the local movie theater where, sure enough, all the Grumlins are inside watching Snow White and the Seven Dwarves and loving it. They go to the cellar and turn on the gas and leave some burning newspapers and towels, intending to destroy the building with, with the creatures inside it. Just as they're leaving, the Grumlins detect their presence and go after them. Kate and Billy, who still has Gizmo, flee through the back door with the Gremlins in hot pursuit, and they manage to barricade the door, trapping the Gremlins inside. After a few minutes, the gas leak causes an explosion, and all the Gremlins are killed. All the Gremlins giggling and laughing during Snow White. Wearing popcorn on their ass. <laughs> They're just little little and, jerks. And then they were singing the music like I'm. Um, I'm. It's hilarious to me that they can suddenly like know English. I know Gizmo could, but not the creepy Gremlins word. Hi ho, hi ho. Okay, so the the place blows up and he kills all the Gremlins. Well, not all of them. One of them is still hanging out in a department store, and it's Stripe. Of course, <laughs> Stripe is the only one that seems smart enough to know how to stay alive and continue the havoc. Kate spots one survivor, Stripe, in the window of a Montgomery Ward's department store. He had left the theater briefly to obtain food and saw the explosion. Determined not to let Stripe escape, Billy and Kate break into the store. Billy takes a bat and goes to look for Stripe, while Kate gets into the back rooms and starts looking for anything useful, such as lights. Stripe uses items he finds in the store to attack Billy, a tennis ball launcher, a small crossbow, and later a chainsaw. <laughs> oh, wow. And he, doesn't the bat go against the chainsaw? 
And I yes, yes, yes. I have later down. Oh, do you? And one of my things, like, what doesn't work for the, for this movie? That is the strongest bat ever. <laughs> of, yeah. Of, like there is a metal. No wonder that like whoever bought that, he didn't need to worry about cork. There was aluminum in that bat <laughs> yeah. to send the ball. Because if you hit a baseball on the handle, it shatters. But if you hit it with a chainsaw, <laughs> it's good to go. <laughs> Kate in the back room finds a set of circuit breakers and starts turning stuff on randomly. The background music system, some lights, and a water fountain. Billy is using the bat to defend himself from Stripe's chainsaw when the lights come on, distracting Stripe, who has to retreat. Uh, by this time, the first light of dawn is visible in the east. It's Christmas morning. Rand and the dog are finally getting back into town, but Barney barks at the broken window of the store and jumps out of the car and into the store. A cranky Rand parks the car and follows him. There you go. Like you do. Gizmo has left Billy's backpack and is now roaming the store, and he and Barney meet once more. Gizmo's found a toy car to drive around. I had no idea Barbie cars could be driven like that. No. Because they can't. (laughs) (laughs) But in children's movies, they can be. So is this a kid's movie? Is this an adult movie? (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) The only thing I can think of for this is if the car had little pedals on it, like a big wheel on the inside. Oh, I loved I had a red pedal car when I was a kid. Did you? Like, it was a legit, like, looked like an old Cadillac. Was it a theme? No, it was just a red car with a wooden wheel, and, like, oh, if you okay. pedaled in it, like, if I pedaled real fast, the car would go forward. I had it was all of, metal. It was an all metal car. I had a Dukes of Hazard big wheel. Nice. I want to find a picture of it now. Thank God I didn't have that now. I mean, really couldn't sell a Dukes of Hazard big wheel now, could you? Probably not. Yeah. I don't know. I saw a... Uh... I saw one on the side of the road earlier. Oh, we are in Nashville. Confederate flags everywhere around here. Well, sure. Yeah, he's driving around his car. They finally locate Stripe, who has discovered the water fountain and also found Montgomery Ward's gun sale counter. (laughs) He keeps upgrading his weapons. Billy rushes into the garden area with the fountain, only to find Stripe poised to reproduce again in the the gremlin way. He's not going to, you know. I was going to say, not like would have saved this movie way. Yeah. (laughs) Stripe. You said it, and I thought it, and it went, oh, no. Sick. Uh, <laughs> I meant Phoebe, but you guys think whatever you guys want. Stripe, <laughs> Stripe shoots the gun, but misses. It's Gizmo to the rescue as he drives his toy car up a leaning shovel, flying through the air and striking the window shades. One of the shades rolled up all the way to the top, letting in streamlight sunlight, streaming sunlight directly onto Stripe, killing it. As Billy watches, Stripe melts into a puddle of gunk and falls into the water. Gross. Melting. But this is not the last time we see Stripe. He's fallen into the water. And of course, as the person who caused it, you have to go and look in the water, right? Right. Yep. And what do you have? Stripe bounces out even grosser. (laughs) Very alien resurrection of them. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Very. The ending of it. mm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I make connections sometimes. It's disgusting, though, because it. First of all, they do a great job of showing the skull melt into the floor. Yeah. But right. then you see the bubbles still rising. And you're like, what's about to happen? Yeah, I'm like, oh, please come back together. Please come back together. That'd be amazing. Could you imagine the practical effects to take all of that goo and have it come back up as a solid form? <laughs> that would be impressive practical effects. I can tell you exactly how they would do it, too. Rewind. 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 <laughs> yeah, that's true. As soon as I said, I'm like, oh, that's actually not so hard. You just watch it in reverse. <laughs> you just put it in a boomerang. <laughs> <laughs> Whoops. Okay, so Stripe's dead. They all return home. In the evening, the Peltzers are watching the news about the destruction, where it is described as a series of unexplained accidents and fires. They are confronted by the owner of the Chinese junk shop, who knew exactly where to go once he heard the news. Did he know where they lived? Apparently. 
pretty impressive newscast. <laughs> that is. <laughs> or it's just a really small town. Did you also notice that whenever, after he takes the Mogwai and they walk out, their house is immaculate. Yes. All of the lights are back up. Every The yard is pristine. It looks like nobody's walked on the snow anywhere. I'm like, damn. It makes you wonder if they filmed that entire scene before they filmed anything else. Yep. Movie magic. The Chinese man can barely conceal his disgust for television and Western society in general. He returns Rand's $200 and takes Gizmo back with him. But before he goes, he tells Billy that one day he might be ready to become the creature's caretaker. All because Mogwai and Gizmo says, bye, Billy. Bye, Billy. Bye, Billy. (laughs) The movie ends with Rand's voice telling viewers that if they have any unexplained electrical or mechanical problems, they should be alert for gremlins. Question. When I heard this line at the end, I've always heard the term gremlin. Yeah. I've always sort of thought of it. Did this movie create the invention of the word gremlin? No. Okay, so gremlin is an older word. It's an older story. But as far as like gremlins in things and stuff, like did that start because of this movie or was this movie made because that was already like a societal discussion or a societal norm? Joel? I want to say that it was already a societal thing because isn't the episode, is it, was it Looney Tunes where there was a gremlin on like the World War II plane? What, by yeah. The uh, most gremlins, memorable were inter- gremlins were introduced in World War I. Oh, okay. By the most memorable, I think, I don't know if it's Bugs Bunny or what it was of all time. Is yeah. when they have that little gremlin on the plane. And it's just like dropping bombs everywhere. It was a an ex- it, it was an excuse. The reason why some of our mechanical things failed in World War One, they would always say, "Oh, there's a gremlin in the system. There's a gremlin on the plane. There's a gremlin in the mechanics. Something like that." So when he says electrical and mechanical things, it's a callback to the real reason why we have the term gremlin. This was a way of going, "Hey, let's take that idea and modernize it. This is what they actually look like." And most of the stuff that they do is, again, mechanical and electrical stuff. Yeah. So what did you think after watching the film? Joel, I'll start with you. I needed to watch this again. So I did. <laughs> um, though I wasn't sure what it was supposed to be, I thought that it was a good enough balance of horror, family, and comedy. All right. Uh, for me, it's a ridiculously fun family movie from the 80s. I forgot how good the effects were in this, and it's an original concept. That's all I thought about. JC? What did I just watch? <laughs> What the hell? I literally, <laughs> this morning when it was over, I sat in my chair for a good minute and was just like, what? <laughs> and the wife literally walked in and she was like, were you watching the movie for the podcast? I'm like, yeah. She's like, what'd you think? I'm like, I don't know. Had the wife seen it? No. Oh. <laughs> She'd never seen it either. So I'm literally sitting in my chair and she looks, she's like, what'd you like? I, I don't know. And she just looks at me. She's like, is it good? I don't know. <laughs> And she's like, this is going to be a short podcast. I'm like, I don't know. (laughs) It could be a fun one. (laughs) I mean, I really hated parts. There were parts in it I just really hated. But then there were parts I really liked. Yeah. They were really good. So what the hell? (laughs) Well, did the awards get it right? It didn't win any Academy or Golden Globe, but I think it should have been for art direction or something. Special effects. Was special effects a thing in in 82? Well, I think they called it special. Yeah, it was special. Yeah. Then it should have won for that. I mean... Of all of the other movies that were up, even uh, Temple of Doom with the heart-ripping-out scene, yeah. yes, that's impressive, but that bar scene, that <laughs> bar awesome. scene alone should have won this movie special effects. Yeah. So 1984's the uh, special effects were Indiana Jones, Ghostbusters, 2010. And we talked about how good Ghostbusters special effects were when we did that podcast. Yeah. I think these were better. Yeah. You know, it's funny. The 
winner for 1983 was Return of the Jedi. Yeah. So a, this was 84, and then 85 was Cocoon. 86 was Aliens. So That would have been science. Well, this is horror. So si- in, well, 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 what is this? I don't know. 80s, exactly. Let's look. In the entire 80s, the winners for uh, best visual effects, 80 was Empire Strikes Back. Sci-fi. 81, Raiders of the Lost Ark. Adventure. 82, E.T., the extraterrestrial. Sci-fi. Sci-fi. Family sci-fi. 83, Return of the Jedi. Sci-fi. 84, which was this year, Indiana Jones, Temple of Doom. Sci-fi usually wins the technical awards, don't they? Right. I, I'm Cocoon still, 85. I mean, outside of the heart-wrenching scene, what's the other special effect in Temple of Doom? Oh. Drinks well, the goblet? Well, when he falls off the cliff and everything, everything oh, is, everything's no, green screen. Temple of Doom isn't the goblet. No. That's, uh, no, that's Last Crusade. Yeah. No. It, it, uh, Last Crusade I could see winning. There was a lot of special effects in that There's one. There's a lot of matte paintings. There's a lot of green yeah. screening. Um, right. There are a lot of sci-fi because once you get past this year, it's Cocoon, Aliens, Inner Space, and Who Framed Roger Rabbit, The Abyss. And then the 90s goes into Total Recall, Terminator 2. Jurassic I'll Park. say this, though. Gremlins, the bar scene, is a master class. But also, if you need a reason to nominate Temple of Doom, the heart scene looks amazing. It looked amazing in 1984. So it's kind of like we could just put this scene up for it and try to win. Yeah. Okay, so what worked well in this movie for you guys? Uh, JC, I'll start with you this time. How about that? Uh, the 80s All-Stars. You had Corey. You had Judge. You had Phoebe. <laughs> I just wish I'd seen more of them. <laughs> Legit, Phoebe. Sorry. Hey. I apologize. No, you don't. Uh, <laughs> the puppeteering or animatronics or whatever it is, they were amazing. Bar scene, end of story, and mm-hmm. gizmo. Like, okay. Hands down. Joel? They, I actually want to go back and s- take away. I didn't. S- they didn't have a balance of horror, family, and comedy. But they had horror, family, and comedy in a movie. <laughs> I want to go back to you. There was no balance. But they, they had it, and each one was funny, I guess. Uh, what worked well in this movie, yeah. they did a great job of making you have real feelings for something that is so obviously fake in Gizmo. <laughs> you know that Gizmo is not real the whole time, but it is so unbelievably cute. And I think that Gizmo has the best acting expressions out of anybody in the entire <laughs> cast next to the dog. <laughs> Ouch. Go back, watch this no? movie. I'm always impressed when they can make dogs do certain things. Granted, I don't know how many takes it they have. Mm. Yeah. But the dog does a good job. Gizmo is the best. And the dad was probably my favorite character. He never had a bad scene because, well, he wasn't in a lot of the movie. But <laughs> he was the John Candy addition to comic relief of what's going He made light of a movie where a bunch of chaos is going on. He also didn't read any of his lines straight from the script. He imp- he read the lines and he was like, "I'll just improv them." Really? Yeah. So That's he knew awesome. the basic idea of what he wanted to say, and he just made it his own. He was nice. He did really well. Yeah. Uh, for me, the dad's inventions, uh, <laughs> the Mogwai rules are great. The twisted tributes. Uh, it's a wonderful life playing when it's the opposite feeling during this Christmas movie. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Gizmo is great. The use of puppets, marionettes, and stop motion instead of CGI. The Santa story, which is out of place, much like most dramatic pieces in the middle of horror films. The fact that the gremlins have personalities and not just killing machines. You know, we just got off of the Alien franchise where they just kill. That's what they do. Kill and reproduce. These, they're more fun to watch. Yep. Uh, so what, in the negatives, what didn't work for you? Joel, I'll start with you this time. The psychotic dog-hating neighbor <laughs> didn't work for me. I understand her purpose, and the character was good, but cripes. What kind of spineless <laughs> cowards does this kid work with? 
nobody was willing to step up to this chick in the like you're no you're, you said witch yeah no <laughs> i said witch you should say witch because she said, was a witch she was a witch yeah i'd I even mean, say bitch but she was no, a witch bitch she, you mentioned she was like the wicked witch she was the wicked witch but like i'm trying to think but the wicked even, witch was nicer than she was even if i'm in public and i'm just checking out of the grocery store and someone comes up and starts saying the things that this lady is saying to the person that is ringing up my grocery <laughs> i'm like hey chill a little bit, like relax. Be a human being. I mean, she's sitting in a public place, in your place of business, saying, I am going to make sure that this dog suffers a slow and painful death. And the, the, response, the response of the boss is, oh, uh, why is there a dog here? Not, excuse <laughs> me, ma'am. Like, we, how, we how much does she own this town that everybody kowtows to her? Right. Yeah. Like, if you own this place, you say, ma'am, can we, we, I would love to speak with you in private. You know, let's talk over here instead of, you're absolutely right, sir, son, get your dog out of here. It's just a spineless group of adults. Well, yes. they all value things over nature, mm -hmm. except for Billy, which is why he's the one that could be ready someday. Right. Yeah. JC, how about you? Mrs. Deagle is Scrooge. Nice. <laughs> I, I hated her. Nice. Uh, the, there were some cheap emotional tugs. I mean, like, at some point, I'm like, okay, you're legit trying to be make me feel a feeling and it worked but i hate that it was cheap and not like <laughs> thought out and what the hell is this movie is it a comedy a horror i'm confused is the movie making fun of things should i have seen this as a kid the deaths and the choice of who and how they die because the deaths are practical jokes are they supposed to be funny that is the toughest baseball bat in the world. Yeah. Well, it's American-made. <laughs> um, for me, it's the leaps of faith. Gizmo driving a Barbie car. Water affects gremlins, but not snow, which is just frozen water. Uh, Santa's story that could kill the myth for kids that are watching this. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's a very good point. Yeah, Not, which, not if, that it is a myth. Yes. Yeah. Santa's, Santa's whatever your parents say he is. Santa is whatever your parents say he is. So who is the Real. audience for this movie? I cannot wait to hear JC because he's been trying to figure this movie out the entire time. JC, who is the audience for this movie? 80s nostalgia fans. I I, I don't know. <laughs> I, I, I don't. We, we I have don't know. Vexed him. <laughs> All I can say is if you love the 80s, you will love this movie. It's very true. I, I don't know what else to say. Joel? I want to say kids with tough skin, but I was a wuss as a child. Like, I hated scare, anything scary when I was a kid, and I watched this as a very young child. I'm sure I covered my eyes at some point, but watching it on Netflix, it says it's this, the most narrow margin of recommendations. On Netflix, it says recommended for kids ages 11 to 12. Well, that's it. I didn't notice that. That's really funny. <laughs> <laughs> if you're older than 12, you don't know what to do with this movie. If you're longer, younger than 11, it will scare the shit out of you. <laughs> so I don't know, because I don't know if it was, it did have very comical parts, but it wasn't a comedy, but it wasn't a scary movie. Because I don't know. There was I don't know what genre it falls under, but maybe that's the point of the movie. It has no genre. It is Gremlins. Uh, for me, families but plenty that, of holes. Families that want to have an introduction movie to horror films for kids. Okay. It's not it's an, it's it's horrifying enough to get a little bit of a scare of your kid might have a nightmare. That that's a good point. Um, Maybe if I had seen this as a kid I'd feel differently about horrors, but no, but that's a good point. But that's kind of where I see it as an intro movie for your kids uh, into that genre. Now let's get in the movie report card. A, B, C, D or F in the family film genre. 
We'll say family here, and it's family horror slash horror comedy. No, we said family We're film. Family <laughs> film. <laughs> We're okay. saying family, family film. film. Family it, it is. It is a Spielberg 80s movie. It is a family film. It came out after E.T. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll go Joel, me, and then JC. You'll get the last word on this one. So, Joel, uh, no, you should you should have the last word because this is your movie. Ah, but yeah. I asked you if you wanted to change it, and you said no. Let's stick with Gremlins. No, I gave ideas, and none of them applied. Uh, <laughs> you gave us Darby O'Gill, which was not available to any of us. We would have done Darby O'Gill, nor heard of. <laughs> But I can pull up the text no, messages I, right here. I remember what I wrote in the text, and I wrote that to end the conversation. How about <laughs> Gremlins, since we know it's on Netflix? JC. <laughs> exactly. I said that to end the conversation. Okay. So you want me I, to- I'm just saying, this is your movie. You should have the final word. That's all I was saying. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I'll take it. So we'll go Joel, JC, me. Okay. Joel, go. This movie was another case of human ignorance <laughs> leading to their own <laughs> destruction, or at least the destruction of their town. The movie is, well, we'll say it's ludicrous, <laughs> but a great holiday film for the right audience. In Alien, we observed creatures behaving by instinct, so by the end, I'm totally cheering for the aliens at this point, because they were just doing what they were designed to do, and it was the Earthlings that made their own bed. In this movie, I loved how it was not instinctual behavior, it was, but these are just bad boy gremlins, <laughs> and they are just absolute party animals that want to get shitty and tear up the town. I don't necessarily relate to that, but I respect the trash out of it. I loved watching those rascals dry up the bars and spit on the lessers. I don't like the adult ignorance. I've never met such a careless group of grown-ups. That part was not believable. Dead Santa daddy, ruthless dog-murdering neighbor, the ignorant science teacher, oblivious inventor dad that has no idea anything's going on in the town. But this is a family movie in that it follows the patterns that kids are the heroes and the adults are helpless. The story was good and original. The lead actor was good. But as far as the family films go, I'm not so sure this is a film for every family. It is a really well done movie in that it does what it wants to do. And going flashing back to last episode's uh, Kiss, Mary Kill, they did what they wanted to do and they did not apologize for it. And it is a movie that is hard to argue isn't enjoyable. But I would give it an overall B- minus for not knowing what genre it truly falls into, but also not being a fully universal family movie that you could feel good putting in regardless of who's in front of the screen. I 100% agree with Joel. I don't know what the hell this movie is, but there's really good parts and there's really frustrating parts. The phrase you used about how this is a family movie where the kids are the hero and the adults are ignorant, I love that you said that because I've now replayed every kid's movie I watched and I'm like... <laughs> Oh, that's why adults hate them, because they're idiots in the movies. But they're kids' movies. Kids are supposed to be the heroes. So that was that was very brilliant, Joel. But unfortunately for all of that, the, in that agreeing with you, I legit cannot figure out what this movie is trying to tell me. Mm -hmm. I can't figure out what genre it's supposed to fit in. I can't figure out what the hell it's supposed to do. So because I can't say it's bad, and because I can't say it's good... I'm giving it a C. Like, yeah. I'm literally giving it right down the middle a C because I don't know what the hell else to do with this movie. Change up down the pipe. I, I don't know. I hate being in the middle. But that's the only place I can put it. In case you didn't know, JC's a little frustrated with this film. Flustered. Um, 
Okay, as a child, I loved this movie. Even though this is a Dante-directed and Spielberg-produced film, at times it makes you wonder which scene Spielberg was on set for or where his influence was in the final script. The story here takes the ideas of fairy tales, adds dark comedy, and modernizes it. Take a mysterious creature, give the responsibility for it to someone not ready for it, give three rules that are vague, rules are broken, mayhem ensues, responsible party learns a lesson, and thwarts the consequences from poor decisions. They could have easily turned these gremlins into much more violent creatures or made them very Disney. The fact that they straddle the line between comedic and horrific makes them interesting because you have no idea what you're going to get scene to scene. The acting in this movie is decent, but nobody's winning any awards here. The musical soundtrack is definitely a highlight as it embodies the comedically creepy. However, the best part of this movie isn't necessarily the story, the acting, or the music. It's gizmo. It's the idea that something so small and cute can end up being a destructive force when ignored. There's also the message that harpoons Western consumerism, everything is for sale, and the lesson learned from this by the old man at the end of the film when he says, you do with Mogwai what your society has done with all of nature's gifts. You are not ready. This is not a traditional family film, especially since it's partially responsible for the reason why we have PG-13 ratings today. But it does have a place in this genre as a way to introduce children to the horror genre. That being said, there aren't too many movies that do this in the future and point at Gremlins as the godfather of the family horror comedy film genre. <laughs> because of this, I'm giving this movie a B- minus for being able to draw kids in with the Mogwai and the Gremlins, but also killing the Santa myth in one fell swoop. Which is allegedly, a allegedly. Which is it's Santa unique in myth. its tone. <laughs> it, it's unique in its tone and delivers on the weirdness. As an adult, the rules are goofy and the plot choices are ridiculous. But the big hit that knocks us down is that society has changed over the past 33 years. Parents are much more careful about what their children watch. In 1984, I'd give this an A. In 2017, it's a B-. There you go. Yeah. There it is. If this movie's released on Blu-ray now, would you buy it, bin it, stream it, borrow it, or forget about it? Joel? You know, it's funny. I, I enjoy this movie enough to probably own it, but I'm not probably not watching this movie by myself. And this is a movie that I'm not going to, if I'm in a room of friends, and I say, hey, you guys want to watch a movie? I have Gremlins upstairs. I'm probably never going to say that. But if we're <laughs> flipping through Netflix and I see the Gremlins is on, I would feel very comfortable saying, I think we should watch Gremlins. Let's grab some beers and watch Gremlins. Yeah. <laughs> so I will say it is a heavy stream. If I saw it in a, in a bin, I may not pass it up for the right price. Especially if I had the right audience to watch it with. Like, I would watch it with you guys yeah. to bin it. But this is a heavy stream. All right. Yeah. I myself, I would bin it. I wouldn't pay full price for this. But if it was on sale for five ninety nine, it's a win. Yeah. And JC, yours made me laugh this morning because you went back and forth. Uh, I did. <laughs> literally, that was what I was sitting. I was literally sitting in the chair. And I typed forget about it. I typed stream it. I typed forget about it. I typed. I literally, like, I kept watching it change. <laughs> I'm like, Golly. so where'd you finally land on this? I'll be honest, Joel has sold me on this film. A yes. lot of his points <laughs> were so good, and the point he just made about like I had changed it to stream it after listening to your grades and everything. But then to hear his whole analogy with friends, I'm like, I wouldn't watch this. <laughs> but if my friend said, "Hey, you want to watch this on Netflix?" I'd be like, you know what, to hang out with you guys and to laugh. Yes, I would watch this. So it's a stream it for me too. All right, so there we go. Our grades were a B minus, a B minus, and a C. We have a stream bin, a bin it, and a stream it. <laughs> yep. It literally, this movie, if you look at her grades, straddles everything. <laughs> it is the it if, is, this if movie only Phoebe. Every, oh. Oh. <laughs> everything about this movie is vexing, which is why you should probably see it and make your own choice. There yes. you go. That's yeah, true. I agree with that. 
Yeah. This is a movie you have to see on your own. Speaking of movies you have to see. Well, that's all we've got time for today, Movie Planeteers. Next show, we start our Christmas movies with Home Alone. You can email the Movie Planet using the address movieplanetpodcast at gmail.com. If you enjoyed the show, subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, Overcast, Podbean, or Spotify. Give us a four or five-star review. Tweet with any questions, comments, theories, and we'll try to fit them into the show next time we're on the air. Send those tweets to at movieplanetpod and like us on Facebook and Instagram using the links in the show notes. The opinions expressed on the Movie Planet podcast are those of the individual hosts. The Movie Planet podcast is not affiliated with, prepared for, approved, or licensed by any entity that created any films discussed or reviewed herein. All movie clips and music included in the podcast are the intellectual property of the respective copyright holders. They are included here for the purpose of review, and no infringement is intended. Special thanks to Twisterium and SoundJ Music for providing any music that we use for our podcasts. Thanks for listening, and happy movie watching.